Hello there, I'm Kiel Saronin Beatmaker. And on this episode of The Monday Mindset, we're gonna be discussing how to live. Except for some rather vague, broad and nebulous guidelines, none of us are ever taught how to live. We're not told the value of life nor what it means to be fully alive. We have no idea of the wonders we can take from life or the responsibilities we have to give to get something in return. Dr. Leo, none of us are ever taught how to live. We are only taught how to be domesticated, for domestication requires nothing more than vague, broad, nebulous guidelines that are bound within the cultural societal upbringing of the environment we inhabit. As I've said in previous episodes, We are taught to see what life can give us, not what value we can give towards life. We must break free from this domestication. When we can see the value we give towards life, we are beginning to take the first steps towards truly being taught how to live. Seeing the value you give towards life is taking root within your personal universe and growing into a fully functioning person. An individual who is growing into a fully functioning person has accepted their hero's journey and is fully committed to becoming self-actualized. They appreciate and are grateful for the wonder and pain that is accompanied in the essential reality of being fully active in their personhood. They are being taught how to take responsibility for being alive and the gratitude each must feel towards self actualization. Due to this new perspective towards life, we understand the value and importance of giving and humility within ourselves and in our personal universe that revolves around the world. When we are incapable of complying, we are often made to feel incompetent and dependent, Dr. Leo. I'm sure many of us out there know this experience far too well, especially if you are raised in a religious, cultural, or societal household or various relationships that conflict or repress the individual's true self. At times, being incapable of complying can often mean being incapable of domestication, whether it be society, family, friends, or relationships. If they are not able to domesticate you forthcoming, they will attempt more devious and even harmful techniques of domestication. This can be due to their own domestication, and they don't know any better. For what is taught is learned, and what is learned is taught. Or they are afraid of your true self, for they never actualize theirs or have given up and have settled for the false self. And perhaps... They feel that by making you feel incompetent or dependent, it satisfies the void of resentment and fear they have for themselves. They must feel as if they can live vicariously through you and live their true self in the guise of controlling you, which in turn suppresses your true self and leads towards a life not fully, truly lived, a life spent wandering what could be rather than what should be. This in itself is toxic behavior and can even lead to being abusive emotionally, psychologically, and even physically. It is an unfortunate side effect 
of the world that is inhabited with negative energies that take form in our behaviors towards one another. For individuals who behave like this, they view human beings as a tools and a mean to an end, a tool that can validate their egotistical, narcissistic, selfish tendencies, their toxic behavior towards themselves and one another, their lack of accountability for their personhood, actions, and words. Even more unfortunate is the fact that these individuals are in places of power, whether it be political, corporate, social, or entertainment. They may promote and even enable this behavior, for in the end, it is all about control and power. And we as fully actualized individuals who have embraced our personhood, we must find positive and safe ways to aid those who are struggling with such negative domestication or if we are experiencing it ourselves. We must find the strength and the will and the determination to break free from this domestication. If we try to learn from life itself, you find it often seems full of unforeseen, dirty tricks for which we are not ready, from which we seem to glean little. If we attempt to learn from examples, we find too few models. Dr. Leo. This is very true. Learning from life itself, there will be unforeseen dirty tricks and circumstances, many of which lead us to second-guessing ourselves and build a wall of insecurities and self-doubt. This can potentially lead us down the path of peer pressure and the continual exploitation of domestication that we are all too familiar with. And at times, we get mad at the dirty tricks that life throws at us. So we lash out at ourselves and react with self-sabotaging behavior and choices. But we're human, and we're going to make this mistake countless times. The trick is to be able to acknowledge the mistake and be able to grow and move forward. Self-actualized individuals who are on their journey to achieve their personhood see dirty tricks as a challenge and life lessons to learn. They provide newfound perspectives, techniques, and tactics that can be used, to can be used for future reference and guidance in the art of living. The skill sets are never-ending growth and evolution of our being. This requires an individual's willingness to change their mindset which is easier said than done. And in those moments or phases of our lives where we search and seek out role models as a guide in the art of living, far too often they don't know themselves or they have never been alive to begin with. I'm sure you all know that classic saying, never meet your heroes. Sometimes those heroes are the ones who give us life, who inspire us to live. Yet they themselves have lost the will or drive and are only going through the motions, possibly due to inner turmoil or circumstances that we as a follower or supporter are unaware of or at times too aware of. This can cause individuals who look up to said role models to lose confidence in themselves, to feel a loss of an aspect of their identity, but also an anchor which they could hold on to to feel a sense of community and connection, a lighthouse to guide through and seek advice while traveling the seas of dirty tricks. But when the light begins to flicker or disappear, that's when the illusion 
appears. It is only when we can no longer cope and fall under the pain and strain of non-fulfillment that we are forced to obtain some help or make change. Usually, this is a simple a symbol of token adjustment, vague and temporary, before we are returned to real life as ill-prepared as before. Dr. Leo. This statement will be a large slap in the face of many listeners because this statement is no different than a New Year's resolution. We always talk, whether on social media, friends, family, or co-workers about how we're going to make necessary changes. And we only make those necessary changes when we hit rock bottom or fall under the pain and strain of non-fulfillment in our careers, relationships, life, or goals. You always tell yourself that you'll make the changes at the beginning of next month, or it'll be your New Year's resolution, or I just don't have the time, or I'm too afraid. Token adjustments and token excuses, both of which are vague and temporary and are only meant to validate our temporary motivation or excuse. The motivation is only temporary due to what you are experiencing in that very moment that pushes you to acknowledge the pain and strain. Yet that drive and momentum is a fleeting moment for the individual. For this is, a, for this is followed by temporary excuses that allow the illusion of the individual making the necessary changes, even if for a moment, a day, a week, only to return to the essential reality without ever actualizing their true potential. They have refused to grow into their personhood and have accepted the illusion of the vague and temporary. We are faced with the reality that if we wish to live fully and in harmony with life, we will have to become self-motivated students. We will have to be ready to, to risk, look inside ourselves, and proceed through trial and error. The job will be mainly ours. We will be required to be our own mentors. Dr. Leo. <laughs> Got a little excited. I love this phrase, self-motivated students. This is fundamental in the art of living. How else can we be fully actualized without our self-motivation? The art of living requires being a self-motivated student, for the self-motivated student is on their hero's journey towards a fully active personhood. As I have said in previous episodes, the only person who you should truly, the only person who truly has your back is yourself. You are your greatest fan and hero. You are one of a kind, whether through reincarnation or stars in the sky. To master the art of living, we must be willing to master a life lived as a lesson learned. We must be willing to take risks that make us a better person or teach us a valuable lesson. For risks are a true resolve in our growth and ability to conquer and embrace the fear of the unknown. To embrace that fear with excellence, with, with excitement and determination and acceptance for whatever outcome may be on the other side. We embrace trial and error in the journey of self-actualization. To truly live, you must accept, grow, and evolve 
from the pains and aches of being alive. Growing pains are never ending. How you approach them will determine the length and the severity of the pain. An individual will experience throughout their life, but you can take those growing pains and turn it into your greatest strength. The greatest mentors that provide you with the knowledge and experience to face those trials and errors with open arms and a willing heart. We must seriously decide to start our own way and to stay on our path. We must view ourselves as products of our past, but more importantly, as having a rich and unlimited future, which does not necessarily depend on what has come before, Dr. Leo. We must seriously decide if we will accept our call to adventure, if we will reach for Ithaca, if we will reach to Ithaca or be lost at sea. As I have said before, we are products of our environment. We can either choose to learn from our environment or become the environment. By learning from our environment, we are understanding domestication and thus how to outgrow and break free from domestication. We learn how to address, handle, and prevent individuals from making us feel incompetent or dependent. We see through fear and insecurities that have masked and paraded within the false self. They have given into domestication. They have given up on their true self. We do not sympathize with them. We acknowledge them and we move forward. For the life that has lived is yours and yours alone and no one else's. We see the value in ourselves and the unlimited potential that comes with such value. It goes beyond personality, looks, and charm. It is a way of life. We bask and bathe in the unexpected. We celebrate the challenges. We embrace being alive. We must form an intimate alliance with hope. Not the illusionary variety of hope, but the kind which gives strength and practical direction. We must regain our respect for our uniqueness of mind and power as well, so that we utilize them to add in examining and selecting the most sound and growth-producing alternatives among the many choices the future will offer. We must decide ourselves to the process with a sensitive and honest evaluation at each step. Armed with strength and choice, we are ready to look at some ways in which we might better become the orchestrators of our lives and live each day as fully active and functioning persons. Dr. Leo, he who is busy being born is busy dying. Bob Dylan. Perhaps the fact of life most conductive to living fully as a person is an honest awareness and acceptance of death. Death has no secrets. If we are willing to look, it constantly makes us aware itself. It is everywhere, even at the first sign of life. Dr. Leo. The art of living requires us to accept the art of our own mortality. For death hides no secrets, only absolutions. Death is constant, while life is temporary, fleeting moments in the grand scheme of things. Life can tell secrets, can manipulate and evolve, while death is ever constant. Even at the first sign of life, 
Death is one deep breath away. One can never know beforehand precisely how or when it will come. No matter how prepared we are, it always seems to take us by surprise. Dr. Leo. It's true. You cannot be prepared for death, even in our own life. <laughs> I mean, you know, the pharaohs thought that they could take everything with them to the afterlife, and we all know how that turned out. But, you know, it took me a while to kind of, um, I was always afraid of um, death in a sense, um, more in the sense of just um, <laughs> the audacity that I had to die. Um, but not only the audacity, but more of just like being in moments where death happens and you don't really know how to process it. Um, because, you know, even when I was growing up, you know, you know, I've been to funerals and things like that, but, you know, me and my mom, we never really had like deep conversations about death and, you know, every funeral that I have been to in the past um, I was always scared to approach the body. Um, I was just afraid of, I didn't, you know, the fact that I would never see them again. And this would be the last time I would be seeing somebody. Um, and that always scared me. Um, that always made me uncomfortable. And there were times where there were people who were, you know, on death's door and I never went to go and see them. And um, it's, you know, it's disappointing. Um, and I wish that I had the strength then um, to approach death. <laughs> but it wasn't until I read a book called um, Being Mortal that I, I highly recommend um, anyone out there, if you have, you know, parents who are, you know, elderly or people in your life, you know, who are elderly and who are, you know, going to be needing more help and you can see, you know, whether it's mental or physical deterioration, um, it's a it's a great book on how to accept their their death. But more importantly, to accept your death of old age, you know, if in old age, if you <laughs> reach old age, and I think we all want to reach old age. Um, but I think even in old age, you know, we can be, you know, you can be at the hospital, well, not nowadays, but back in the day, <laughs> um, you know, family would be at the hospital and, you know, I'll, use a, a personal example um my grandmother on my father's side um she was deteriorating um and i never really went to see her beforehand um due to um 
issues that I was having, um, I'll be honest, with my, you know, with my father and I, the issues that I was having with him, I associated that with that entire side of my family, um, which wasn't right. Um, and, you know, I've made amends to certain people on that side of the family um, and ex explaining my behavior and they were very supportive and understanding. But I bring her up because when I went to see her, <laughs> um, I I didn't have any way to get there. Um, so I had to reach out to a friend to help me um, to go see her. Um, and when I went to go see her, you know, family was there um, that I hadn't seen in you know, probably over a decade. And she wasn't, you know, she wasn't there, you know, like, I couldn't really talk to her, but I was just happy that I actually got to see her. Um, and I kind of just stood there and I just, I, I looked at her and I was just sad, but just happy that I was able to make it because this was my grandmother and I knew that if I wasn't going to, if I didn't make it to see her, I would have, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just know that I, I needed to get there and I was willing to put my, my life at risk with, you know, only three working tires to make it there. Um, but I was fortunate. I had a friend who looked out for me. Um, so, you know, and, and, I got to see her and then I ended up having to go to work that night. Um, at that time I was working a third shift uh, job. And um, I, you know, later on that night I got a text from my cousin that she passed. And um, from what I understand, no one was there when she died. They, they just happened to left to get some food. Um, she was doing fine. Um, and when they came back, she was gone. And I bring this up because, you know, they were, you know, the family that was there, they were there 24 seven. My, my aunts, um, a couple of my cousins, they were there every day, every moment. And they stepped out just to get some food, some fresh air, and she was gone. And you know, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because, you know, we, you, it'll always be a surprise. Even, even if you're there for the last moment, it will always be a surprise. And I feel the reason why is because you, you can't accept it, I feel. Um, you can't, you don't want to accept the fact that they're gone. And it surprises you, even if, you know, they have stage four lung cancer or, you know, they're on life support and, you know, they decided to take them off. And even then, I, I can't imagine, but there's that surprise of it's actually happening, I feel. You know, I, you know, I have a grandmother who's 96 years old and I, you know, I love her to death and I've gotten better at reaching out to her and, you know, I, I try to call her three times a week. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I, I'm like, I, I want her to live forever. 
I don't, I don't want her to, to go away. And, you know, these are things that I feel that we all, we, we all experience with family, friends. We don't want them to go away. We want them to stay. We don't want to lose them. We, we need them. Um, and sometimes they may be people who have wronged us and who have hurt us, but you don't want to lose it. Um, for whatever reason, I apologize. There are people outside in the hallway being loud right now. Um, but you know, it's no matter what we plan for, no matter, you know, how much money you have to keep them on, you know, all the best medication and, and apparatuses, it's always gonna be a surprise because you, you I feel in my, it's all coming from my own perspective and own feelings. Um, like I said, I feel that you, you, you think they'll make it. You think they'll recover. You'll, um, no, they've, they've always been fine. This could never happen. Um, whether, and, and I just, you know, we can, you can plan for everything in life, but the reality is, is life is go always going to be unexpected no matter how well you plan things out. Sometimes you might have, you know, an entire schedule plan and it works out entirely. You lucked out. Or in, then sometimes, you know, you spill your coffee and then you end up being 10 minutes late to work and then you're late to everything. And, you know, we've all had those days when, you know, we just wake up on the wrong side of the bed or that one thing happens and it just throws the rest of the day off. And, you know, I think even with with death, we we don't think it'll ever happen. Even if we acknowledge it and accept that it's a real thing, when it happens to, to someone we love or care, you know, celebrity. You know, I, I remember when Chadwick Boseman passed away. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. I'm sure plenty of listeners out there were like, wait, what? You know, Black Panther? T'Challa? <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it will take you by surprise. And sometimes, even when you know it's coming, you don't expect it. Because we're, we're human and we want them to recover. We don't want them to die. We don't want to lose them. <laughs> Even if it's someone we don't like and we've had a bad relationship with them and they pass away, you might be surprised nonetheless. You might be thinking, damn, man, why is it, it how? You know, or, you know, I thought she was, you know, she was such a, she or he was such a hateful person, you know, I thought they were going to live forever. <laughs> you know, it's always the mean ones that seem to live forever. <laughs> um so, but we also have to, you know, as you can tell, I'm trying to add some humor into it because we also need to add a little humor into death. <laughs> um, it's important. You know, we have to think about the memories that we have with them. Um, I mean, I was watching WandaVision and, you know, the vision says something beautiful, you know, you know, what is grieving but preserving love? And I think that's something that we all have to meditate on, so to speak. When one is fully functioning as a person, death is neither a threat nor a horror. Rather, it serves as a great ally, 
death tells us what we must live life now. In the moment that tomorrow is an illusion and never comes. It tells us that it is not the quality of our days or hours or years that matter, but rather the quality of the time spent. Time has no meaning in itself unless we choose to give life significance, Dr. Leo. We, when an individual becomes actualized in their life, they have so in death. The individual views death as the next phase in their journey. We embrace death just as we do life with open arms and a willing heart. For life and death are one and the same. You cannot have one without the other. We live as long as death allows us and a fully functioning person revels in this thought. It is a much needed continuing education unit in the art of living for the self-motivated student. For we are driven to be better than yesterday, for tomorrow isn't promised. Fully functioning persons live their life not by the time spent, but the time spent being alive. Because each day is the true self gives life significance. And time meaning. For that is the beauty of embracing death. It allows us to live. Most people are afraid of being alive than dead because being alive means being self-aware of our mortality. It is often said that there are those who can experience more in a moment than some can experience in a lifetime. Time is relative. It is our given freely to spend wisely or to squander idly, but never to be hoarded. Time passes gone and all the moaning will never bring it back. Perhaps the most irresponsible phrase in the language is, I should have. I love this quote by Dr. Leo. You know, I should have. How many of us out there have said this one too many times? Hell, maybe even today, while we're even listening to this podcast. And, you know, it took me some time to kind of realize I was always kind of obsessed with time in the sense like, well, I got to get this done by this time. And, you know, I'm... I'm all about to-do lists and schedules. So I will schedule out my day in regards of my to-do list and what I can, what I'm able to do and how much time. Um and I I used to put a lot of pressure on myself in regards to time. Um and it got to the point where it was affecting the quality of my music, um of my work. Um, of my well-being, because uh, I was just putting, I was more concerned with time than I was concerned with being alive and just doing things. Um, and it took me a while to realize that, you know, in the Western society, we live in a very monocentric time frame and like 
time mentality where it's all, you know, one, two, three, four. We have to, you know, time, everything is set by time. Um, but in other countries, you know, it's it's not that. It's um it's a poly mono, I think. I could be butchering that one up. But you know, they kind of go with the flow in terms of time, you know. Everything is just, you know, we go at the pace that's within reason and we do everything within reason. Um, and I, you know, I'm still big on time and things like that. But, you know, the expectations I put on myself in regards to, you know, the time spent on certain tasks and projects, um, I am more just like when, when it's done, it's done. You know, I put reasonable expectations with time. Um, you know, like I said, you know, I release, you know, I'm also a music producer and a singer and a songwriter, but I will release a new song um, once a month. I started doing this in January. Um, this was my goal for foreseeable future, to release a, a new single every month. Um and you see, that gives me time to really put the best, um, really put the best effort and work into this one track. Um, and beforehand, when I was, you know, trying to like release a new track every two weeks, I wasn't doing good. The quality of the music wasn't great. I was rushing. I was forcing creativity. And you can't force creativity. You can't force the muses. Um, and it took me a lot of trial and error and self-reflection to realize that. You know, I believe in the muses. I love the muses. I worship and pray to the muses. But I also know that they work in synchronicity with me when I am in synchronicity with them. Not forcing, not forcing compliance or trying to find inspiration. And I used to do those kind of things. I, you know, I will never sp forget one day I spent eight hours just trying to come up with the, the melody for the first verse. I came up with the first melody, but I wanted the second one. And it was so bad that I actually ended up giving myself a migraine. Um, and, you know, this was prior to me ending up in the hospital. Um, but when I was in the hospital, that gave me plenty of time to really think <laughs> about time. And, you know, after that, I realized, you know, I, I can't put so much pressure on time. I, I can't put so much pressure on myself to, you know, be 110% with my schedule and do everything on time all the time. It, it's not going to happen all the time. You know, I've, I've learned that, you know, the reason why I do, you know, a month, like I said, a month for each track is it gives me time to put the best work in. And it allows me to develop the consistency of the routine of making a, a, a new song every month with good quality. And, you know, it'll, I know that this routine and, you know, this training is going to really help me when I start working on my next project. Um, hopefully early spring, I'll start working on it. Um, 
and maybe I'll have it. I don't know. We're not going to get into all of that right now. <laughs> this is not, this is not that type of podcast. But eventually, soon, I'll I'll have one about my uh my music and such on my Patreon. But that is for another time. Now let's get back to what we were talking about. Time. <laughs> time okay but you know the whole i should have um phrase you know there are plenty of times where i should have you know listened to my instincts i should have not second guessed myself and whether it's regarding to opportunities um circumstances you know we have to think about you can't think about i should have just think about how okay i didn't make the choice or i didn't go for that opportunity. All right. I'm not going to make that same mistake twice. And, you know, I used to create excuses for not taking up opportunities. Um, either it was because I was insecure or I would just come up with nonsense. Um, because that's what I felt was, you know, token excuses. Um, and so I was trying really hard not to be that kind of person anymore. So I'm more focused on taking chances or, you know, I'm more focused on quality and consistency in the time frame that I have. So that means I go to bed early so I can wake up early so I can do as much as I can in the day. But I don't stress if I'm not able to finish a task by the end of the day or within a little bit of a time frame that I was putting on myself. Um, and that's one thing that I've been working really hard on is not putting crazy time frames on myself. You know, when I was going to school for phlebotomy, you know, I would get out of work at 2.08 and then I would get home by 2.30 and I would be like, okay, from 2.30 to 2.45, have a snack. From 2.45 to 3, practice the piano. From 3.30, from 3, I, that's how crazy I was with my time. Um, and that's not healthy. Um, it, that's just too much stress, stress and pressure. Um, and you know, my whole thing with time management is like, be with, be within reason, um, and figure out ways, you know, that work for you, that gives you the most time that you need for whatever you're working on. And, you know, for me it's like, all right, you know, once a month, a new song and, you know, I've seen um, with each new song I've put out since January, I have seen, you know, slowly and slowly the better quality of my music. I'm noticing how I'm, I'm being more creative because I'm giving myself time to be creative. I'm not putting pressure on myself. Um, and I think that's something that we all need to really think about, especially when the things that we should have done, you can still do them. Just because you didn't do it now doesn't mean you can't still do it. Maybe you weren't in the right mindset for those opportunities or for tr for going for it. I've been there myself where I didn't, you know, go out for an opportunity or reach out for something because I knew I wasn't in the right span, wasn't in the right mind place, and I wouldn't be able to be my best. And that's something else we have to think about. You can't be discouraged by I should have. It should be a motivating factor. But this requires changing your mindset. And this is something that's you, you have to be willing to know that it's you're going to have to constantly motivate yourself. 
you have to be self-motivated students. And self-motivated students don't say, I should have. Self-motivated students say, I will, or I will figure it out, or some way, somehow, I'll do it. And that's manifestation. There are so many opportunities and situations that have happened in my life because instead of saying I should have, I said it will happen. I will manifest it. This will happen. If you want to, you know, get into martial arts and you're afraid, I will figure it out. I will start doing martial arts. I will start doing this. Because you're not, you're, you, at that point, you're not acknowledging time because time is irrelevant at that moment. What's more, what's more important is if you are willing to succeed and follow through. And that's the thing that we don't acknowledge with time. It has nothing to do with time. It's are you willing to follow through with the time that you are given? And that's what matters most. You know, and it's and it's not like you don't have the ability to do that. It doesn't matter if it's something that I should have done in the past. The past is the past. But can you learn from it and take that I should have past tense and make it I will future tense? Because as Dr. Leo puts it, the main import of the past is simply a source of learning through experience. And how often do I say to live life as a lesson learned? For the past is nothing more than a lesson for the present and a warning for the future. If we fall victim to living in the past, we fall prey to self-sabotage, old habits, and false expectations. You cannot be attached to the past. This is how you lose sight of the present and relive the past at the future, often with dire consequences that follow. So often we try to relive glory days of the past, either in love, accomplishments, life-changing experiences, either positive or negative, the consequences are all the same. There's a reason for the past. Full-functioning individuals understand that reason. They do not take the past personally. They respect the past. They acknowledge the past and move forward. The past is but a guide towards the future. But the future, too, is an illusion, a type of dream in most cases, never comes to pass as a dream. So much of our pain is based upon the disappointment of the reality not living up to the dream. Dr. Leo. We all struggle at times with unrealistic expectations for the future. We place so much pressure in the future without putting the necessary work towards making said future attainable. Most don't want to put in the work, so they spend their future days dreaming rather than manifesting into reality through due diligence, patience, and self-motivation. <clears throat> Excuse me. The future is an ever-changing as the currents of the sea. At times, you may be sailing through strong winds and the sun by your side, or sailing through rough seas and unpredictable storms. Or worse, you end up in the Lagrasso Sea, stranded with no wind or current in sight. 
That's why you must approach the future with care and ease. Allow the manifestation to grow and evolve naturally within the essential reality. You cannot force a dream, no more than you can lead a horse to water. As the great King Asalam once said, the universe will conspire in your favor. For those who are fully functioning individuals, embrace the journey of self-actualization, free from the fear of mortality. Death also teaches us an impairment of all things. All things change, all things die. This is true in nature as well as in human life. Even granite mountains crumble into dust just as much as the most beautiful past kingdoms have left only silent stones to surround their mystery. To be attached to things or people, both of which will surely vanish, can only bring despair, for eventually one is left with only a handful of dust or a frail memory. Life that is free of attachment lives in the moment and makes no demand that the moment last. To wait for life is to love to wait, nothing more. Life understands that death brings with it change, and the only reality is to live both the future and the past in the present, accepting it with joy of the moment and letting it go when the time is right, and embracing it with all of one's energy before it leaves, but without expectation of permanency. Death is the greatest of life's teachers. It is only the ignorant of those who are afraid to live who fear it. The wise accept death as their innate friend and most gracious teacher, most as their intimate friend and most gracious teacher. To be fully active and fully functioning as a person, we must make death a long-time friend. Dr. Leo. Love not what you are, but only what you can. Love not what you are, but only what you have become. Cervantes. As fully functioning persons, we know that we have a right to be what we are. Even what we are is not compatible with what we have learned to be. We have a way to choose our own selves, even if that self is different from the selves of others. Dr. Leo. As a fully functioning person, you have earned your individuality. The cost of individuality can be painful and eye-opening, but I'd rather stay true to myself than live a lie till the day I die. As individuals on our hero's journey, we are fully aware that domestication is incompatible with the true self in the art of living. Like I've said in the past, the only person I'm trying to impress is myself. In the end, the only person who truly has my back is myself. And that is who I inspire. That is who I aim to be. I am not afraid to admit that I have let go of individuals who are either holding me back from fully actualizing myself or they themselves have given up and have accepted the false self as there is all to be. And I cannot allow such domestication, immaturity, and weakness into my life. My journey 
and my personhood. It can be painful, but we have to choose ourselves over those who don't value themselves or their personal universe. Because fully functioning individuals see the value in life, see the value of their personal universe, and work towards being a master of their universe. I had come to this realization. Individuals I have held dear to my heart for years or even decades, I had to let them go. Because with time, knowledge, and experience, you learn who truly values the art of living and those who value selfish intent. You cannot take personally their behavior towards you. Instead, acknowledge and understand that it is a reflection of who they are and what they truly value. Those of us who are willing to accept full personhood accept the reality that we outgrow people, relationships, family, friends, and perspectives. This is key to our evolutionary growth into the best version of our true selves because we realize that we must surround ourselves with like-minded individuals who are self-motivated students. They see the value in being alive and accept the challenge to live. As Dr. Leo says, we have a right to feel as we do, even if those feelings are frowned upon by others. This does not mean that we have a right to inflict ourselves upon others any more than we would desire to have others afflict themselves upon us. It does not mean that we have a right to choose, develop, and live congruently with ourselves and to share without apology, to share without apology. Let me, re let me repeat that last part. It does mean that we have a right to choose, develop, and live congruently with ourselves and to share without apology. You see, we live in a climate now in this country where individuality is frowned upon and threatened by tribal mentality and harassment. We're slowly losing the right to just feel, regardless of political, religious, or social ideology. We do have to keep in mind, though, that, when, that we cannot allow the way we feel and think to have negative implications or consequences towards the world or individuals around us. As long as we maintain value and respect towards individuals and their ideologies while respecting ours in turn, then freedom of thought and expression should come without impunity, harassment, or cancellation. We should then be able to express and share ourselves without apology or being reprimanded, regardless of our expression or thought. We live in times where we do not see the value and appreciate open communication and debate and education. For that is the only way we can grow, evolve, educate, and change our perspectives towards each other. Each other. Worlds, religion, culture, social or political ideologies. We are all human beings. We were designed with the idea in mind that we will make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes may have been acted upon by the freedom of expression or thought. But without open communication and debate and education, we do not allow people the chance to digest their mistakes from the perspective of those they may have hurt. But this can only be actualized if both sides are willing to have freedom of thought and expression without inflicting their train of thought upon one another. For how else are we allowed to have freedom of thought and expression 
that allows us to be our true selves, that values and respects everybody's freedom of thought and expression as much as we value our own. Indeed, we are our own happiness. And in each time we have strayed from ourselves, we have been led to despair, we cannot find ourselves and others. We cannot live for others, nor can we use them for our own self-affirmation. Dr. Leo. Something I learned really early on in my life is that you can never truly satisfy anybody. No matter how hard you try, no matter how well you do, they may already have preconceived expectations that you were unaware of and were never going to meet to begin with. That's why I stress that the only person you need to impress is yourself, because that's the only person that will provide you with true satisfaction and happiness. When you search for happiness in others, you will find a disappointment, pain, despair, resentment in yourself. Nobody else can create your happiness within yourself or your personal universe. That solely relies on your self-actualization, your strength and determination to be better than you were yesterday, to seek out your true self through means of self-affirmation and self-reliance. The heart beats for one and one only. So too does the happiness that fills your soul. As Dr. Leo once said, we can always be what others want us to be. We cannot always be what others want us to be. For what they want may not be what we are, and that is all we have. We can only reply, rely upon ourselves. You know, we all try really hard to fit in with family, friends, social groups, politics, entertainment. But, you know, and a lot of that is that we're looking for validation in those other areas. Because we feel that that validation gives us a reason and meaning to be ourselves, to be us. But we're not really being us because we are feeling as if we have to conform. And, you know, sometimes that conformity be is because you want to be part of the group. You want to be part of the clique. You want to rise in that political party. You want to be a celebrity. You want to be an influencer, you know, whatever it is. But you're never, you're not really doing it for the right reasons. You know, and a lot of that is because it's a false ideology. It's a false perception. It's a false reality. It's not the essential reality. And when we, you know, when we try to be like these influencers or these musicians or actors or politicians, whatever it is, you're not really being yourself. You may be convincing yourself that that's how you are. That's who you are. That's who you're trying to be. But you're never, you're not even satisfied because you can't afford it. You can't afford that or you can't 
you can attain some of those things. But you know, the, the problem is with trying with people trying to make us conform is that it, it it pushes us away from them. Or we end up giving in because we want them in our life. We want to be part of the clique. We want to be part of the party, part of the group. You know, you know, peer pressure, I don't give a I don't give a heck how old you are. Peer pressure will always be there. You know, I've I've been in relationships at my age where I've had, you know, women trying to peer pressure me into getting married or having kids within a year. And I'm like, we've only been dating for like six months. What do you what's going on here? And a lot of that is because they want you to be what they have already expected to have. And that's not fair to you. It's not fair to me. <laughs> I'm like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I have cut hours. You don't have a job right now. And we're going to have a kid in a year. And and you're expecting me that, well, you know, if you don't really want to do that. I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why I, I'm bringing that up is because, you know, that's ways people will, you know, peer pressure you or force you to conform into their train of thought, their lifestyle, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a relationship. It can be an employer. It can be friends. Um, but, you know, and what's unfortunate about that is that, you know, most people don't see that and realize, oh, man, I really got to, I got to reevaluate who's in my life. Most people feel like they need to do that to validate what's going on in their life. Um, and you know you 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 can't you can't expect other people like you can do everything you want you can do everything they want you to do you can change how they want you to change behave act dress whatever it is but the reality is it's never going to be enough so you have to keep that in mind that you know that's why I I, I said early on that you you can never truly satisfy anybody. And, and that's why you have to rely on yourself because you can't, you cannot be what other people want you to be because the expectations that they have for you are unattainable or nonsensical, not logical, could put your life at risk. So, you know, we, we have to really think about that. And I, and I know that it's hard. I know that. But you have to take the, those deep dives, as I like to put it, into yourself. You need to reassess why do they want you to conform like that? Why? And you have to ask yourself, why, why are they pushing me to this? Why? What is it about me that they have a problem with that they need me to be like that? And if they can't accept you for who you are and how you're growing to be better, especially in relationships, I mean, you know, we, we all have you know, expectations or things that we would like in a relationship to make them work, whether friends or, you know, or loved ones. But, you know, you can't expect people to become those expectations. You know, I'll, I'll give you one of mine. You know, I really look hard for, you know, someone who is emotionally mature, who has the maturity to communicate. And, you know, that's big for me, communication. But I'm not going to force someone to constantly communicate or talk to me at the expectation that I have. If, if they can't meet that themselves, 
are doing to work on to make this relationship work and succeed and last, then they're not someone I want to be with, especially if they don't have that similar mindset and drive and what they're looking for in a relationship. It don't matter how pretty they are, how good the sex is. It doesn't matter. You can't force them to become what you want. Don't matter. We, we've all ended up in those kind of relationships or some people are already in them. And how many of those people have been forced to have a kid with a woman just because they wanted to stay with her and they really liked her and she was peer pressuring them? <laughs> you know, look at my situation. <laughs> like I have had two different women that I have dated, both telling me how they wanted kids within a year or two. And I'm like, I'm working like it's it, regardless. It's just you can't force people to you can't allow people to force you to become what they want in relationships or anything. You they can communicate certain things that they would like, maybe that things that are making the relationship difficult or adding unnecessary tension or stress. That's different because that's something working together. But when someone kind of tells you, oh, well, you know, if you really want to move up in this, you know, in the company, you have to do this and that. Or, you know, if you really want to be, you know, in this hit film, I mean, you know, but so and or, you know, well, if you really want to be with me and, you know, have this work, you know, I want to have a kid within a year or I would like to move in with you in a couple months or, you know, one girl said to me, I would like you to build me a farm. Bro. <laughs> And I don't have anything against those things. I understand, you know, that they, what they wanted and what they desired, but it wasn't within reason. And it wasn't something that was realistically attainable right now, or even something that I was ready for, you know, there's, and that's the problem with people that want to force you to be something else. They don't see who you are. They only see what, who they want you to be. And they, and it's even worse when someone who's in a relationship with you and they want you to be the complete opposite of who you are. And you gotta ask yourself, well, then why don't you go and date someone like that? Why are you still with me? Oh, well, you know, yeah, but, but you know, but we've all been there. Um, and it doesn't have to, it can be whether, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you're in, honestly. But these are things that we all have to think about when it comes to those moments when people are trying to force us to change or conform to their lifestyle, their train of thought, politically, socially, whatever it is. Why are they doing it? And you have to think about, what about me are they trying to change? And, and think about, okay, so where did this come from? You didn't have a problem with who I was a year ago, two years ago, 10, when we were in high school or when we were in college. Why all of a sudden? And, you know, sometimes... You know, they can be trying to help you, but at the same time, they can be hurting you. They could have good intentions for wanting you to change, but their 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 behavior towards you and how they're going about it can be toxic. It can be unhealthy. It can be downgrading, you, you know, being talked down to. You know, and, and I have been the perpetrator of that, and I have also been the victim, so I understand it. Um... But, you know, as Dr. Leo says, you know, it is often easier for us to become what others design 
But in doing so, we relinquish our dreams, abandon our hopes, and ignore our needs. This leaves us feeling abandoned, weakened, impotent, and without a genuine self. You know, we all know this feeling too well, either have experienced it or currently experiencing such emotional turmoil. Such destructive domestication can tear a soul to pieces. Being forced to live the false self is very different than choosing. When your true self has been taken or relinquished, you are losing your chance to be a fully functioning person. You are losing your hero's journey, lost to the abyss of domestication and disillusion. You become a shell of a former self who never had the opportunity to be self-actualized, who never had the chance to experience the art of living. I'd wager that's worse than dying. For there, are, for there was a time when I wanted to end my life. I felt as if the universe had its fill of me. I was trying so hard to find my true self. And with each step I took towards actualization, I came to a hundred steps back. So I decided to give up. I had the desire to kill myself, but I could never muster the will. I wasn't afraid of dying. I was afraid of being remembered as a coward. But that is a story for another time. This moment in my life that I experience is a tale I'm sure many can relate to. The experiences are different, but the feelings are all the same. The mystery is how each and every one of us raised ourselves from the abyss. How we found the will to reclaim our genuine self and forge our self-actualization to become masters of the art of living within our personal universe. Because Dr. Leo says, we have all we need to become what we are, our perfect selves. All we need to do is realize it, to recognize it, develop it, and live it in action. For all human acts, there are alternatives. The greater the number of imaginative and creative alternatives to behavior we possess, the more meaning for the choice the more self-determined the action. The more fully functioning the person, the more vast the choices. Life is a selective over death, wisdom over ignorance, pain over apathy, and joy over despair. They use themselves and their environment to the best advantage. We cannot stop a hurricane, silence a storm, or keep loved ones from leaving us. But it is our response and reaction to these catastrophic experiences that will determine whether we will continue to survive and grow to be toward becoming a fully functioning person. This is another way of saying the fully functioning persons use pain and joy equally in determining themselves. They can either relinquish their responsibility for, for their lives to outside forces such as society, friends, or lovers, or they can assume the bittersweet responsibility of their own self-creation. My happiness is me, not you, not only because you may be temporary, but also because you want me to be what I am not. I cannot be happy when I change, merely to satisfy your selfishness, nor can I feel content 
when you criticize me for not thinking your thoughts or for seeing like you do. You call me a rebel, and yet each time I have rejected your beliefs, you have rebelled against mine. I do not try to mold your mind. I know you are trying hard enough just to be you, and I cannot allow you to tell me what to be, for I am concentrating on being me. You said that I was transparent and easily forgotten, but then why did you try to use my lifetime to prove to yourself who you are? I am neither a sacrilege nor a privilege. Michelle. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Monday Mindset. To learn more about myself and how you can support The Monday Mindset, head over to my Patreon page at Ronin Art and Music. That's Ronin Art and Music. If you're interested in reaching out, follow me on social media. On Twitter, Ronin Art and Music, or at me at Kios Ronin, K-O-I-O-S-R-O-N-I-N. On Instagram, follow me at Ronin Art underscore music. And if you prefer to email, hit me up at themondaymindset09 at gmail.com. If you're listening to this on your preferred streaming service, please make sure to subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, leave a comment and review, and slap that notification bell. On Apple Podcasts, please make sure to subscribe rate the podcast, and leave a review as this will help the podcast and me grow. Stay positive, stay focused, stay true, and much love.